This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Ganakpong Limbanasipong goes by Young, and he was born in Bangkok, Thailand. Young's father is from Thailand, and his mother is from China. Young attended first to eighth grade in Beijing and then attended high school in the United States at Springville High School. He then graduated from Brigham Young University in international relations and minored in Japanese. Young and his wife, Gracie, currently live in Dallas, Texas, where Gracie is a speech language pathologist and Young practices international relations. His work experience includes international trade and international market expansion, for startups and corporations. Young was introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ during his time at Springville High School and was baptized at age 17. Welcome to the Still Rowing Podcast. I am your host, Kim Stratford-Gale, and I want to give a warm welcome to my friend, Young. Young, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Kim. So happy to be here. I want to share with our listeners that I've actually known Young since high school because we went to Springville High together. (laughs) So we actually were in the same grade. That's right, Young, right? You graduated in 2010. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go off and just share how amazing you are, Young, because I, I do think the world of you. But honestly, I think that our listeners today, just by listening to you and listening to your story, they are going to hear how authentic genuine, kind, and fun that you are. And I'm so excited for them to be able to hear you and your story today. So again, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Kim. I hope this is not the last time to listen to this podcast because of me. (laughs) No, No, it's going to bring a lot of listeners. You're you're so relatable and that's what we're so excited about. I mean, I guess we should say that when I asked Young for a biography, he also sent me some fun things like he loves karaoke um, his favorite artist is Taylor <laughs> Swift. <laughs> yes. And he loved food, fast food, fine dining, everything, street food. Is that right? That's right. I, that's only, I think that's my top hobbies. I like, I, <laughs> that's all I want to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great hobby. That's a great hobby. I'd like to join you in that hobby someday. <laughs> yes, please. So maybe next time you're in Utah, hit me up and we can go try all the kinds of food <laughs> together. I will. I will for sure. <laughs> Wonderful. So today we have a real, I think we have a real treat here to hear your story, Young, and to get things started. Back in high school, I don't know if I fully appreciated, um, Young, your courage and your strength. You were in a new country all by yourself. Your family was back in Thailand, right? You came out here by yourself? That's right. You came here for education, and you certainly did receive a wonderful education from Springville High School (laughs) and later Brigham Young University. Um, But also, unexpectedly to you, you were introduced and converted to a completely new faith, a Christian faith, which I imagine is starkly different than the predominant Buddhist faith of your home country, Thailand. And I think that's where I'd like to start, Young. Can you share with us more about your conversion story? Take us back to Springville High School. How did you have the courage to not only thrive in a foreign place, far from family and familiarity, but also to gain a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which ultimately led to your baptism. Well, thank you, Kim. Um, Yeah, so conversion, I always thought, you know, as I was like taking the missionary lessons back then, I thought everything started in Utah. And then as I got older and I think more about it, it actually started, you know, I feel like God prepared me, you know, since day one. Uh, with the family that I was born into. Um, so growing up, my family were um, not just religious, but also spiritual. Back in, um, my brother and I went, you know, were going to school in China at a really young age. And my mom and dad are really faithful um, Buddhists. They would, you know, take us to the temple. I remember um, during summer vacation time, all my classmates, they their, their family would be like, Oh, I got to go to Japan. I got to go to like Europe. Um, me, I remember we're always in the Buddhist temples around China, <laughs> just <laughs> learning about things. Um, just like, oh yeah, I, you know, I like 
practice monk schedule like monk schedule like basically wake up at 4 30 a.m and eat vegetarian food and then like read scriptures even though i, I can hardly read at the time um, starting very young age i was very sensitive to the spirit i feel like back then i think that really helped uh pave the road uh, for my conversion story um but so fast forward coming to utah i feel like what has helped me the most uh was that curiosity i never really um denied or like you know or ignored the prompting i guess so it all started when um one summer i was back from china uh living in thailand and my dad was like hey do you want to take a english test like a free english test but it was set up by this exchange program so if you do well uh they will recommend you you know go with their program and come study in the u.s which i passed surprisingly <laughs> and my dad was like i think at the time i was only 15 and my dad and mom just came up to me and be like hey you did pretty good like do you, okay so they you can go on an exchange program for a year like would you like to do that and i was like okay honestly i did not know what i was agreeing to because 15 <laughs> and then like going to like and then our program the exchange program was set up in a way that i didn't know who i was gonna stay with where in the u.s where i, where, where I go right they just give you this map and then basically say, okay what are the places you're interested in i mean how would i know like 15 <laughs> years old right I say yes and i put down on the map the three most heard about cities the heard of cities in the u.s like california like new york was one of them and then um, las vegas I remember those are the three. Oh, I want to go to those places. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. Um, and in my mind, I was like, oh, I would get, get to go to those one of those like cool cities that always show up on Hollywood movie. You know, that was like my idea of my foreign exchange experience. Right. And um, so, and how they work is like they, as soon as like, you know, they found a family for you and they send you like a packet back and they kind of tell you where the family is from. So I open it up. I like, it was utah and then i was like what is this even in the u.s <laughs> i was disappointed i was so disappointed come um, on springville wasn't like las vegas or, or right las yeah vegas. i guess it's pretty similar right <laughs> um, uh, all the partying in high school right <laughs> i'm just kidding um, yeah so i I was really disappointed, but my mom and dad, they both looked at me and they felt like, oh, you know, they sent along pictures with it. And the, oh, there's like mountain before me. It's just such a uh, mood kill. Just like, what? Like, <laughs> just mountains. That's nothing. That's like nowhere fun to be. There's no this and that, especially coming from Bangkok and Beijing to like really big international cities, like capital cities. But then my mom, I remember she said to me, she said, hey, like, I have a really good feeling about this. I think you're going to make so many good friends. And then the people seem really nice. Uh, I was like, start feeling better about it. Yeah, it was the Jensen's family in Springville, Utah. And then, um, and I think I'm a really people person in a way that like, in the sense that I love meeting people. And then that mm -hmm. makes me really happy. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first saw the Jensen start emailing them and I was like, oh, I'm excited about this. And I, I remember the first, thing that happened to me after Atlanta, I remember it was there was a steak dance and obviously being a non-member like and a non-English speaker like steak was already hard enough word like, oh like steak dance <laughs> you know <laughs> it was confusing but yeah that's my first really interaction with a lot of members of the church yeah. I was oh they're really nice they're really like almost like innocent like so innocent not like in like a you know just very like they're really pure i was like wow like all these people are why they're so happy <laughs> so i was like interesting and then i always think that the one of the most amazing blessings uh for me was to meet you know i look at him as my brother as um his name is michael white and kim you know michael yeah of course cannot talk about my conversion without bringing michael's name in here it was really cool because it was the first day i went to the registration office in springville high school i just like remember just don't don't kind of like nervous honestly i'll like, say everybody like i don't speak the language and i like don't know what's going on and this kid he just like hey like and then just come up to me and then like give me like a high five and then michael's high five was really hard and always hurt my hands so maybe that was like god's 
blessing back then is, oh yeah, you want to remember this kid. I just remembered he's that kid that gave me a really hard high five and just like so excited <laughs> to see me. I didn't really know who he was. So he said hello and then happened to be like, hey, my name is Michael and this and that. And then we talked and it happened that Michael and I had like two or three classes together, mm-hmm. like without plan. And then Michael and I, you know, just like we start becoming really good friends, hang out a lot. And one day, I think we're in the, I was, you know, in the high school play and during play practice, Michael and I were just talking and he said, hey, Young, have you heard about the church? And then I said, like, yeah, I think I'm familiar with it, you know. You're like, and yeah, then, I did a steak dance. I know about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was like, there was no steak. So disappointed. <laughs> um, and Michael said, okay, so like, you know, he kind of asked me about my religion and then told him about Buddhism, what we believed. And um, Michael said, well, I would like to learn about Buddhism. We can teach each other about religion. You can tell me more about Buddhism, but we also have these two dudes that like teach people about our church. They're more professional about it. So if I invite you to our house, would you like, you know, meet them? I was like, yeah, why not? And honestly, at this point, I was already enrolled in early morning seminary. I've been going for a while. And that's another funny story. I just remembered like um, Sister Jensen, she asked me, there's a thing called early morning seminary. And I have no idea what those words mean. I was like, okay, you know, for me, I, I want to jump in and experience everything. Yeah. Literally, like next morning, like the school started like 5 a.m. or 4 something a.m. Like she knocked on my door. I was like, why? Like, why can't I sleep? She said, well, you said you want to go to early morning seminary and they're about to go right now. I was like, oh, like, no. Oh my goodness. But I went. So at this point, I've kind of already started getting familiar, more familiar with a little bit of like, you know, what the church uh, members, be- what do members believe? And then I was doing all this thing. I'll go, I was going to church with the host fam, with my host family. I was, you know, meeting um, missionaries with, um, with Michael's family. And, and then I think this is already fast forward. This is already a first year of my exchange program already over. And I came back for senior year of high school. Wow. Yeah. And then this time I was living at the whites uh, with Michael's family. Okay. And then I think that I was con- consistently taking missionary lessons and going to general conference and going to all the Wednesday mutual youth activities. <laughs> like I was involved as like so much that like I basically was living, you know, living the gospel. And so when I was reading the Book of Mormon, like the missionary keep challenging me. I think I, I can genuinely say I give a lot of effort to know the truth, prayed mm-hmm. a lot. Obviously, from time to time, I'll definitely feel like a strong, strong feeling from the spirit. And it would help me to um, just really, you know, really enjoy that. Like I feel inspired. And obviously I was surrounding myself with like, honestly, that wasn't a choice. I think people were just so sweet to me. <laughs> um, some of the best friends, you know, all of you guys were amazing. Basically are just, we're good kids. But then I think that there hit a point. I was also kind of feel overwhelmed a little bit because people are so excited, you know, and then I get it, especially after I went at Sermai Mission in Taiwan. I was like, oh yeah, when are you, you know, you really want to know, you want them to partake of the fruit of the gospel by joining the church. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point I felt like I was doing all this thing and then I felt good. My, my, I was happy. And then from time to time, Michael were, you know, missionaries or our other friends, family, like, what do you think? Have, what's your thought about joining the church? You know? And then I just, at one point I was almost like anti to that feeling because I, I feel like I'm perfectly happy. I, my Buddhist belief, I live a life that's like really similar to the, that, you know, to the gospel that we teach us. And then I kind of just put it away, but kept the same lifestyle. Whenever people ask me about it, I just say, yeah, I, I love whatever church teaches. I don't like, you know, I'd read the book of Mormon a couple of times now. And, uh, I've been to general conference, like, I don't know, 10 times live, you know, <laughs> I remember one day, I think that at this point, Michael was about to go on his mission to England. And then he, I think he just really, he, I, I think at that point, everybody can see it for me that like, yeah, he, you know, he's ready. He's ready. Mm-hmm. But Michael was like, you know, he never pressured me. He's just like, what's your thoughts on the gospel? And I, I remember literally I said, I don't think I'll we'll ever get baptized. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, we talked, Michael's genuinely sad. <laughs> hey, it works out, right? Because this is about, I think it's just two months away or almost three months away, right before he leaves on his, his mission. And, and you can tell by my answer, I wasn't doing it for anyone, right? It was like, no, I'm not going to be baptized for the wrong reason or anything. Else. I, I, and sincerely, I didn't feel that I needed to do that. But it was weird one day after school, 
got back to my you know apartment. I was living with Michael's cousin, and then I don't know if you don't know, remember um, you know Jaden Walker, Jaden Walker, yeah,、um, yeah, and a couple. We're living by a Pueblo temple, and after I got home, I just had this really really strong feeling that was like. Almost burning, literally like burning with him. But it's not like anxiety, right? It's like more、yeah. peaceful, but really powerful. That、mm. was urging me to do something. It just like, I don't know. That moment when something big is about to come, you just start like feel it. And my one of my roommates at the time, he said, "Hey, young." And then and he was really, I think he was really sensitive to that. He right away he said, "Hey,、uh, how what are you feeling?" And I think he noticed something. And he said, "If I were you." I will, you know, find a spot to meditate or pray or you know just to ask of God how you're feeling.、Mm. And I said, okay. So, <laughs> and、um, I start. I saw. I start taking a walk. Yeah, I was late at night. I walked past the Pro Temple, and then I.、Um, I just remember being a perfectly、um, beautiful night. I can see the moon, and then like, the weather was nice, slightly chilly. I remember when I come to one of those bench, and I. Sat down about to pray, and I just had this horrible feeling. And I felt cold. Everything felt dark.、Mm. And、um, I was like, "What the freak? Like maybe this is not meant to be." <laughs>、mm. But then all of a sudden, like honestly, right before that, I actually read a little bit again about Joseph Smith first vision account. Okay, right. And I just had this thought that like, hey, maybe I need to keep pray- praying harder. So I got on my knee. And I was like, Heavenly Father, like honestly, I always like trying, been trying so hard to know this and know that, and I've done everything, I've done everything that I want to know, but I feel like I don't have an answer. Like I feel like my life does doesn't need this because it's the same, regardless, right? Because I'm a good person, I think. Also, I got this really powerful feeling that that you already have the answer. You know what you need to do.、Mm. And then it's like it's almost like that. All of a sudden, all the puzzles are come together with all the work that I have put into to know, try to know the truth over the year. So that I think the prayer ended there. I stood up, walking towards back to the you know back to the home. And then all of a sudden, like I'm just like this feeling just gotten stronger and stronger. It's like growing, like just like it filled my whole body kind of feeling.、Yeah. And then next moment, I didn't notice. I my hand was in my pocket, and then I. Got my phone out and I called Michael's dad, and then I said, "Hey, dad." I think at that point, I, my voice like so shaky, and I started crying.、Mm. I said, dad, like I'm ready to join the church. I remember, <laughs> I remember just feeling so good, and I was just like in tears. Next moment, we're in Beidos, we're Rancheritos in Springville with like everybody. I think it was so funny because like I guess everybody was so excited for me joining the church, and then. There was like fifty people at Rancherito at like five, <laughs> like I don't know midnight. We're like eating burritos and like partying up, just like woo, just like so excited. But yeah,、um, that's a beautiful story. Thank you. Well, a few things come to mind as I'm just listening to you tell this very raw and real story. The first thing was I've learned something from an institute teacher. His name is Brother Halverson, and he talks about holy envy. And when you're talking about your parents and the home that you grew up in, and how spiritual your parents were and still are, it just reminded me that we all are born with the light of Christ. And even those who don't have the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ yet, we're born with that. And you talked about how you felt like you were a spiritual person, and that you were sensitive to the Spirit, and how your upbringing actually did prepare you for that. And and that to me is holy envy, a different faith that gave you practice in meditation and prayer, prepared you to hear further knowledge, further truth from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I appreciated you sharing that experience、um, and how more of your rich history and your rich culture prepared you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I thought that was really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I just I love that scene at Beto's. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, and I and I also appreciate that you shared that when you initially started praying, how an overwhelming feeling of darkness was the first thing to come. And like you mentioned in your story, it's one of the many reasons why the story of the first vision is important to study. It's an example of taking a question to the Lord, 
the immediate response Joseph felt was a feeling of darkness, similar to the experience you had. And receiving that initial feeling can be a bit unsuspecting. We read about a similar account with Moses, who says, after praying, I will not cease to call upon God. Wherefore, I can judge between him and thee, meaning Satan and Christ. Depart hence, Satan. Having the faith to keep praying, to say, I can judge between Satan and Christ, is totally what you just demonstrated. It's interesting to talk about the third of the hosts of heaven who followed Satan, but I think in these stories, including yours, we see the reality of them trying to stop significant spiritual moments from happening. They do not want us to be happy and to find light and God. It's such a cool part of your story, Young, that you remember that moment, and importantly, the moment where you said, I need to keep praying. Yeah, and I think I think uh, what I took from uh, this experience um, was that, I mean, it sounded like, you know, if you just listen to general stories, oh, yeah, everything was well, and then he went to a dip, went down the dip, didn't feel like doing anything, and then all of a sudden, all this miracle happened, and then he was converted, but like, if you really look at the picture, there were so many ups and downs, so many moments that I did not feel like, you know, I, I didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that. I thought that was wrong, hard to do this. You know, it wasn't like a straight line. I felt like with our lives, it's, it's going to be like that too. Like there are moments that you definitely feel way closer to the Lord. Other times that you feel so distant, far away. Some other time, you maybe if you wanted to almost turn to the Lord, like turn the other way. I guess it's important that it taught me that it's more important to what you do with those feeling. Um, and it's okay sometimes you don't feel like doing certain things. Yeah, of course, well, I appreciate that. It is a lesson for life. It's not just one straight line. And I do appreciate your vulnerability and honesty about about that experience, about that moment. It reminds me of Elder Anderson's talk about spiritually defining moments. He discusses these moments that you just described, which ultimately led to your deciding to be baptized. We can rely on those moments later on in our lives. My next question for you is, how has this conversion story been a strength to you in your life? How has it prepared you for other experiences that you face? I really like that question because I think what I was just about just talked about, you know, how it reminded me that growth doesn't come as like a perfectly straight line shooting upward, but it should be like a zigzag line, not like a complete zigzag, but you know, like um, yeah. there's going to be dips. they are going to be like small, small growth, but overall it should be an upward trend. And that, to me, that's real growth. And it also taught me something about, you know, you kind of like talk about it takes courage to do this kind of thing especially with changes in life I always thought like being like courageous or super brave means that like you don't feel fear at all but Mm -hmm. I was so wrong about that like based on like you know my personal conversion stories and a lot of things I gone through later in life you're so like scared and you're freaked out you're like oh my goodness what's gonna happen but being courageous means like you go do it regardless Mm. kind of like thinking back honestly like coming to the U.S. at 15 years old I was so scared but I think I did it anyways like praying for the true praying to ask if the book of Mormon was true and then receiving an answer from God at some level at some point I guess I knew that God will answer me but I sometimes I'm scared of those answers because those answers will require me to make changes that maybe is something it was hard. I didn't want to, for example, I had to change some parts of my life to be able to join the church mm. or receive those promised blessings. And I was scared of those. I have to do those things. But I think being brave and courage, courageous and then having courage to do those things doesn't mean that you're not scared. And then I think that was such a valuable lesson that, that taught me. And that's why Gracie, my wife and I, we, we always try to live like that to like changes are good sometimes. And um, yeah. Yeah. And and also one other blessing it's like because kind of going along what you said, having those uh critical or very special or personal spiritual experience. And it's it's all almost um because life gets hard for everyone. Those experiences will help you in those dark times and it helps you remember what God has blessed you with. Mm. Um, and and it's, it gives you the strength to move forward. 
when you're in the dip, deep end sometimes. That's a great perspective, Young, that these spiritually defining moments propel us and they give us courage later on to experience the growth that we need to, even if it's a little bit scary. That's, that's so well said. I'm wondering, Young, you and I had talked before the recording of this episode about the passing of your father in 2020. And I was hoping that you could share with us some insight and, and some personal experiences about that moment for you and, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ and your conversion helped you through. And, and also, like you talked about the raw and the real, which was, it wasn't always easy. Yeah, indeed. For my work, I traveled uh, from U.S. to um, East Asia a lot, but like uh, sometimes requires me to go to Shanghai or Beijing. And then a lot of time I do need to go to Bangkok for a business trip. I think I was flying to Thailand, like at least before COVID, it's like, I don't know, seven, eight times, nine times a year. At the time I was just, you know, just work is going pretty good. Careers, like, you know, there are lots of good things happening. Every time I travel there, I'll stay for like, I don't know, like one to two weeks and I'll get to spend some good times with my parents. Especially since I, you know, I think many of like students from other countries that come study in the States can relate to this is that, you know, going home is such a exciting feeling. Um, and when you're a student too, because like it's something that you expected, you can be expected, you know, like summer break comes or sometimes people go home for like Christmas break. So for me, I always treasure that time so much. So I remember it was beginning of February in 2020. At this point, COVID already happened in China, and then probably in Korea is getting big. Those are the top two uh, cases. But in Italy, start seeing some stuff. I just got back from uh, from Thailand and Japan in December 2019. So honestly, this is like two months later. Mm. There was like a business trip. I it wasn't honestly. I didn't need to go. So when I told my family and I talked to Grace, I was like, hey, there's this like, you know, potential clients and then I can maybe go meet them. Honestly, from my mom and dad and my brother who's in Thailand right now, and they're all like, why, why would you come right now? Just wait a few months, wait a little bit longer. And in my mind too, I was like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to go right now. You know, this virus about to happen. At that time, we all of us knew so little about COVID. You just know that you shouldn't be traveling. And uh, Grace and I kneeled down and prayed. I was like, Grace, like in your personal prayer too, would you also pray and ask if I should go on this trip? After the prayer, I honestly felt like, yeah, I could go, but I can also not go. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, Gracie was the one that actually came to me. She said, I really had this feeling that you really should go. Like, you really should go, which is very unusual mm. for her. Because she, you know, you know, she hates it when I'm gone this long trip sometimes. And my, my mom was like, okay, wait, what? Like, you sure? And then Grace was so firm about that. So that night I booked the ticket. Yeah, this is the end of January and the beginning of February. Yeah, so I flew, flew out to Thailand, got there. And uh, it happened to be a weekend. I remember I flew out on like a Wednesday or Thursday and I landed, um, woke up on a Friday morning in Thailand. So I got Friday, Saturday and Sunday off. I didn't have to do anything. So I took my dad. My mom was like with her friend somewhere. And so it was me and my brother. And we took my dad out for dinner. Just, I sat down with him after the dinner, May. Uh, just me and him. And my dad's not very expressive. He jokes a lot. And he talk a lot about like random things. But mm-hmm. he's never been super expressive about, you know, uh, expressing his feeling directly to to us we sat down in the house in his house and he said young i just want to tell you that how proud of you i am for you and your brother and then the things that you have accomplished not just career wise not just like you know education wise but your life you know you marry wonderful people you know you guys seem so happy i'm proud of you for that and then mm-hmm. and he also said that like Oh, by the way, my mom and dad, like they were separated, but they still, you know, do stuff together and things here and there. But they did to me, it's really strange for me that he expressed to me that like, hey, like, 
Also, I just want you to know that I always, always love your mom. I'm never like, you know, I'm really grateful for her. And uh, I just, you guys, you, you three means the world to me. Mm. And uh, I just thought it was so strange. I was like, okay, like, you know, why is he saying like things like this? I was yeah. like, cool. I was like, oh yeah, I love you too, dad. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> and I, I told him a few things that's like, yeah, and then we got both pretty emotional, but it was a good day. Yeah. And the following day I was ordering pizza. I was like, hey dad, like, you want some pizza? I'll order some for him. I, you know, give him pizza, brought it over and we chat a little bit. And then that was the last time I saw him because that was a Sunday night. And I went, so we have a home home and then we have a, I have a like apartment in downtown Bangkok. So just, I get there so I can dodge the traffic in the morning. So I got there on Sunday night. Monday morning, I woke up as usual, um, just getting ready and then ready to, you know, meet my clients, whatever. Got a phone call from my brother and, um, and he was crying and my, my heart just sunk. Like, I was like, oh, what is happening? And then he, he said like, hey, um, um, dad just passed away. I remember, I just remember like, <laughs> I don't know what I remember. I don't remember anything. I just, I remember I fell on the floor and I start puking. I, I don't know, like, and I called Grace. Yeah, I was like, hey, um, dad's, you know, dad just passed. And then, like, mm-hmm. and that was really, really um, hard for me. So I, so he passed away because he had a brain aneurysm and um, it was definitely unexpectedly. So I, you know, immediately booked a ticket, flew Gracie out for his funeral. And, um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and then I, I felt like my dream was just like shattered because I always had thought that like you know after uh, at the time Gracie was in school she's almost done with um you know her master degree I always thought that like yeah like after Gracie like work a little bit and then we will go to Thailand and maybe stay here for a long time and then um, you know spend all those years I didn't get to have with my parents. Because, like, for us, you know, Chinese New Year is, like, I grew up in a Chinese culturally, culture-based family. So Chinese New Year is a big deal for us. I, the last time I spent Chinese New Year with my family, it's, like, 12, 13 years ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, like, because for school here, like, you know, people give you Christmas break. They don't give you Chinese New Year break. It's, you know, right. it's so, so imagine missing 13 Christmas with the, family that you actually have you know you have a really strong relationship with, with you care about and you know just things like that of course and missing holiday with any family it's hard so yeah I feel like my dream was shattered if anything I care about in this life I really wanted to have really f- happy family I wanted to you know have my parents get to play with you know be spend time with us and then also like spend potentially spend time with their grand grandkids I think that's always because they love kids and I felt like that whole experience was robbed away from me and from him. When that happened, I think everything happened so fast. And then in, in Thailand, funeral has, it tends to be like long process. We did a seven days funeral wow. where people come and greet and then, you know, say goodbye and things like that. And what's also hard is like in that part of the world, like cultural, like there, you know, the idea of filial piety. I think it's a wonderful thing that, you know, you show respect to your parents, but some older generation take that even more seriously that they take, think about the literal of caring for your parents constantly. Mm-hmm. It's like a measurement of how good you are to them. Sure. I remember at my dad's funeral, there were a couple of people there, his older friends came up to me and they, like, how old? Like they came up to me and said, how can you let this happen? Like are you being like being the older son you know yeah now honestly I still have nightmare about that these days that like I didn't do enough um you know I wasn't like good enough to um I wasn't like there for him you know so it's been really really hard and then cold was happening and then and so yeah and then Grace food, Grace food out, and then um, 
we like complete the funeral. She head back to the states first because she had to go back to school. Right. So I stay like a couple of weeks extra just to be with my mom. And at the time, I we still didn't know that COVID would like you know prevent us from traveling for like literally almost years, right? Like, right, right. like more than twelve months. So I thought I was gonna be able to go back in May to be with my mom and my brother. I haven't done that yet, but um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no thanks. And、uh, I left Thailand like March fifteenth or something. That's when I probably got back to the states, and then. Like a series of like hard, difficult thing began. Like more like emotionally, or you know, you know, like we're really blessed and fortunate and lucky that like we didn't have to worry about other challenges that a lot of people are going through during COVID. But for for me and Grace, especially for me, it was like the emotional things and dealing with my feelings and then. Of course, the mourning process, right? I mean, and the responsibilities, yeah. Right, and then this is where it got a heart to me. Like you know, you ask the question, how did the gospel help me? In the end, it, you know, in the beginning, it was really hard because there are times I woke up, I feel so sad, and there are times I woke up, I forgot that I'm sad, but I was actually really sad. I was like, the first thing I woke up, and I just realized I'm crying. <laughs> like, And I was like, "Wait, how?" Like, I think a lot of it is that felt that like I would never be able to spend that time with him again, and especially in this life, all this plan I had just didn't work out, right?、Mm, yeah. And then I slowly turned to this anger, right, towards like, towards myself, like because what the person said. If you know, I honestly that kind of thing was already on the back of my mind that I there's anything I could have done, and、I've, I'm sure. Some people, like a lot of people, want to get that, and then just like, oh, the regret. Oh, did I do enough? Did I not do this? You start blaming yourself, and then slowly that feeling transitioned into like a place that I didn't want it to be, but it definitely happened. It towards like God, that like, how can you let this happen? Right. You know that feeling that I, you know, I've been good. I've been so good, and then this is like the point. One of the main temporary blessing, or to me, at the like, it's eternal. Like, it's a huge long-term blessing in life, right? Because being with family is all I want, and、right. this has always been my like goals in life. It's not like, oh, I have to like have this like material things. I can forego any of that, but I always wanted like family to be together. Sure. So I was really angry at God. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't like. I was honestly, you can say to a degree, like rebellious by choice. Yeah. And I think I was all the time. I was angry. I would like roll rage, <laughs> like like all the things I think about. That's like just like so terrible.、Um, <laughs> like I think it brought out the worst side of me,、yeah. and it was really hard for Gracie. And other times, like. And there are sometimes we just like hug each other and just cried on the floor and just like difficult moment. But we started praying again. I think I I honestly can't remember what triggered us. Like I think I think it was probably Gracie was the one that said, "Hey, let's pray. Let's do this again. You know, let's like you know she would encourage me to do all the things, and I did. And she was so patient with me. And、um, yeah, so I start feeling start feeling spirit here and there. And there's words and scriptures or like. Good, you know, good principle of gospel that I've heard over the years that start coming back on my mind. Like one I love, it's by Brother Hank Smith, and he, Mike, and I take a Book of Mormon class from him. And then in in that book, I'm not in that, in that class. He talked about, you know, when it gets to the ether chapter, he talked about you want to re- wrestle before God, but not wrestle with God. And I feel like that's exactly how I was doing. I was freaking wanting to wrestle with God. <laughs>、oh, great, right? What a great distinction. Yeah. Yeah, you know, God really definitely put things impressing onto your mind, and I start remembering the tender mercy, how merciful it is for God to let me to let Grace know that I should go back to Thailand when I didn't think I needed to. That I'm like, oh,、uh, we got this. <laughs> we don't need to go to Thailand, and we can go later.、Right. Um, where、right. the whole world and their logic tell you not to do that, and Grace was the one that told me that you need to go. And then that turned to be the last three days that I had to spend my dad, and、I、got to hear all those words. I'm sure God worked on him to to say, prompt him to say those words, and those words eventually became closure for me, yeah, for for my brother, and for my mom. And it's even more crazy, honestly. Before, so during Chinese New Year, my dad visited his family, and he does it every year. 
And I think all my aunties told me that during the dinner, he kind of got serious. And he just said to everybody, "Hey guys, this might be the last time I'm ever gonna come here and spend Chinese New Year with you guys."、Mm, wow. And I feel like God was like preparing. I think He knew. Honestly, I'm convinced that He knew. Yeah. So I start realizing, like, whoa, like I need to say sorry to God. I need to, you know, apply the atonement process into my life to help me heal.、Mm. Kind of my focus kind of shift on things like, you know, oh, like. Wait, when can I do temple work for Dad? You know, when can I do this? And what are some of the best memories that we had? And friends or family have been so supportive along the process. You start finding out that how many people have lost someone they love,、mm-hmm. whether as a young age or by accident, like or unexpected or expectedly through like critical illness or like cancer. You know, things like that. You start realizing, wow, like these people are amazing. And then I start thinking about it. You know, like Michael's parents. Um, they lost、uh, one of their firstborn daughter in a car accident, and just things like that. It just become a comfort and relatable moments. And wow, God has been so good to me. Yeah, I am very fortunate. And that's when the I was like, okay, like that makes sense. I had plan of salvation. Honestly, at some point, at one point, I was really annoyed to hear the word plan of salvation in the beginning of process. Like, don't tell me. I just want to be with him now. I don't want care. About plan of salvation, I want to because I think I was going through that healing process. I think I still am. Yeah. But the gospel really helped me that way and brought me closer to Jesus Christ. When I start focusing on how not just like cleansing my sin, that process, but more like how much a better person I can be, how much more whole I can be, if I trust in the Lord. Right. Right. Well, and you shared some really beautiful things there, Young. I love that you talked about being healed by Jesus Christ because it wasn't necessarily being healed from sin; it was being healed from pain and from sorrow. And I think one of the most beautiful conference talks from this most recent conference, Brent Nelson talks about his own father passing away, and he talks about asking this question: "God, why didn't you heal my dad?" And yeah, later on, he realized, right, right, he he realized. He did, you know. God did heal my dad, and He did heal me. And later on, Elder Nelson talks about how he felt that the Savior healed his heart. And as he looked back on the experience, he could see God, and he could see the hand of God in his life, healing him and uplifting him. And one of the other beautiful things that you mentioned is is your wife, right? It's grace, and it's people in your life who you're close to. Who could share and relate with and mourn with you, and to share with you their own personal sorrows that they had experienced? And to me, it's it's no surprise that that is what brings us so much light is relating to other people and and drawing close and mourning together. Is that that's one of the most beautiful gifts of the atonement of Jesus Christ, because He knows our sorrows and our griefs, His ability to succor us and to know perfectly what we are experiencing. To then know how to uplift us—that's what I hear when you're talking—is that these other persons are able to love you the way you needed to be loved because of that shared experience that you have, and that's a gift of the atonement of Christ. I think. No, I totally agree, and I also just want to add that I think God gave so much more that I didn't realize because I was so focused on like about me and my feelings, and I think that's really good. I think people need to do that. But、mm-hmm. I think when I was doing extensive period of time, it becomes something I kind of ignored or even just dismissed the blessing that God has given to me. I think after a little bit, I was able to find notes and texts. I just start. I had just thoughts like, "How about you check your text message between you and your dad?" You know, just those thoughts that was put into my mind. Wow. And then when I was reading those things,、uh, I realized how often I talked to him. I realized how much time I did get to spend with him. How many times I tell him how perfect of a dad he is, and the one, two, three, four, five is basically like essay. <laughs> and then, and so in my heart, I did receive closure. I was, I was happy that I I did those things, and I realized I wasn't too terrible of a son.、Um, you know, <laughs> of course you weren't. Of course you weren't. Yeah. That's so cool because that's what you needed to hear. Hearing and relating to other people who had been through similar experiences was amazing and helpful, just like you said. But like you mentioned, a large measure of pain was that you felt like you weren't there for your dad, or maybe you didn't have the relationship you were supposed to have, like those people had suggested to you. 
So God bringing to your mind, hey, check your texts, or remember that one time with your dad, is exactly what you needed to hear to heal. And that's our Savior and his ability to know perfectly so he can help us perfectly. It's just so beautiful. Thank you. When Lazarus passed away, Jesus wept. And, and again, another conference talk recently spoke about this. And he said, you know, Christ doesn't fault us for our spiritual short-sightedness, for the times that we need to mourn and to cry and to be sorrowful and work through the pain that we're feeling. Christ doesn't fault us. In fact, he's compassionate. And we have that example in the scriptures of how Christ first wept before he healed. And I love that you shared that in your story because you took time to weep and to mourn and people, especially like your wife, your amazing wife, Grace, were there for you continually until you could be at a place to then heal and access the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's what I heard as, as you're telling this beautiful story. Thank you. And, and Young, you actually shared with me a beautiful Chinese fable that I thought was wonderful. Could you share that with our listeners today and how that is analogous to what you went through? Yeah, the exact Chinese saying is It means, actually the fable is coming from like a little short story. It just describing a kid in front of his house. So it rains a lot, I guess, where he lived. So under the roof, the floor on the ground is like, you know, hard rock and there's one spot has has a, just like a hole like a dent in that rock basically realizing that it's the water it's the rain from the roof slowly just dripping onto into the ground and created that dent mm. uh, eventually like and made a huge difference and to me i really like that because sometimes i feel like our we feel like what we do is not enough whether it's my experience with joining the church asking for god what is true what is not true or it could be losing a loved one. You feel like you've never done enough, uh, whether it's work or education or whatever people are going through. I think people, I think majority of people cut themselves short. And, um, but just know that if you are, know what you're doing is right and you just keep doing it, yeah. you, you one day you will realize you have made a huge difference. Uh, you have done something very beautiful. And, and that's what I feel like with my, whether it's my journeys, you know, joining church, learning the gospel, or with my overcoming this challenge, dealing with the loss of my dad and still dealing that. I'm actually really proud of myself. I am really glad that it happened mm. uh, because it, it meant to be and because it taught me things that I would never be able to learn. And I, I made me a, I think I'm a better person. I don't know what my friends would say, but I think I am. <laughs> sure you are. Yeah. Well, an elder Ballard talks about Hiram and Joseph Smith. And he said, one time I asked myself, why did they have to go through so much? Why did they have to go through so much pain? He had a feeling they would not have been able to know God in the way that they did without that pain and without those trials. And I think that's exactly what you're describing. You certainly are a better person and you and your growth has been extraordinary, right? And your testimony is beaming because of these struggles and how, and better yet, how you've handled yourself during the struggles. Yeah, yeah, I and, think so. And I think on that note, then I guess, Young, I'm wondering what is your advice and your guidance or your testimony for those who are still waiting for those drops, right? To make a dent in that stone, who have not yet realized or who cannot currently see God in their life what's what's your advice or your thoughts or encouragement to them I honestly I don't have any advice because I feel like people's lives are really different and hard I don't think like my experience would apply uh, with other people but I think I can what I can say is that whoever is hearing this you just need to know you're you're very you're more important than you think you are and the important in the sense of like god cares about you so so much and the atonement of jesus christ is real mm. it will it will make you a better person it will heal you it will perfect you life is hard and some people definitely have it harder than others i honestly i think i'm the lucky one there are so many people i know you're hearing this are much much stronger and growing through much much more stuff and I have, and that's what actually made me appreciate it. Um, 
made me become so appreciative of my experience and realize that man like honestly this compared to some of the other things that people go through this is honestly nothing i'm sorry to say but like it's probably really nothing because i know friends who are going through really hard things i think it started something very simple i think for me it was praying i always had a special relationship or experience with prayer trusting your loved ones if you're really young surround yourself with people that you know you can trust will have your back and i think in my story it comes over and over again like i can turn to these people and then they they will have me at my back and i'll do the same for them surround yourself with the best friends possible and pray i i would really just say prayer and then um learn to listen i think god is always speaking and he wants us to hear him yeah yeah that's beautiful thank you young to wrap this up, and I want to ask you, given your life experiences, your different culture and your, and your family of origin, you know, from Thailand and coming to the United States, converting to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the passing of your, of your father, I'm wondering, why are you still rowing? Well, I'm still rowing because I know that, I know that God lives. I know he's our father in heaven. He he cares for each one, each and every one of us. So I know that he wants me to be happy. And, and not that being sad or angry is bad or wrong. I think that's after being able to taste the pain and sorrow, we appreciate happiness even more. Mm. And another reason is that I, I want to like live in such a way that, um, that I can uh, be in service of other people, not just one day, like any day. I believe the experience that we go through in life, the good choices we make, the choice whether it's like perfecting ourselves in the gospel or going through hard things will eventually be a help for other people in mm. one day. I, I think on my mission, I find my personal conversion story is so relatable to all the people I share the gospel with. Right. Uh, just because the same similar background, I serve in Taiwan, I have a Buddhist family or like with, now, if someone loses their loved one, I can relate so much better. Sure, that's beautiful. And um, yeah, so think that God has been so merciful to me, and the gospel is true. It will be very selfish and very not grateful for me not to share. Thank you so much, Young. You have such a bright testimony and such a humble testimony, and I'm so thankful that for your willingness to share it with me and all of our listeners today. Listeners, thank you for being with us. And we hope you've been uplifted at hearing the beautiful story of Young. And until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor is this podcast affiliated with the church. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on future episodes. You can submit comments or questions at stillrowing.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.